Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. Welcome, everyone, to Lucha World Podcast, episode number 128. Fredo Esparza here, and this week, we will not be opening with CMLL or AAA, but we will be talking about two startup promotions, um, really one that's already been a, somewhat in existence. Um, actually, one of the promotions has kind of a, a unity of two promotions combining to run shows, and they've been doing this separately at certain points one for about a year in Mexico and kind of just fell on the wayside as far as being non-existent for the last year year and a half and then the other promotion really is an indie promoter out of Texas that's kind of um, been expanding um, where he's running shows so we're going to talk about that promotion but first we are going to talk about the promotion that actually Everybody was kind of excited about, but we could immediately see that this was going to fall apart. Uh, as as I mentioned in previous podcasts, um, Roosh had been talking about a new project that was going to be starting up in 2021. Why these two promotions? And I, I should start with this one. Why they would want to start during a pandemic, I do not understand. Um, especially in Mexico, where, where um, the, even when, when Federación Wrestling wasn't going to start... Um, cases were still pretty um, significant in Mexico and right now it's kind of because of the Delta variant there's been a, a little bit there's been more of an increase um, not just in Mexico but in the United States and in other parts of the of the world uh, so I don't know why these guys thought that this would be the perfect time to start a new wrestling promotion when you're seeing AAA hardly running shows or actually running shows with um, no fans and CMLL um running shows for the most part without any fans. And then when they did get fans back, they were still barely at 30% capacity. Um, you do have a lot of independent promotions that are that are running, claiming to be running with a, a, a low capacity uh, between 30% to 50%. And that you still look at pictures and you can tell that they're getting far more people than that in those arenas. IWRG, we'll talk about IWRG's own issues from from running shows with 30% capacity and them having more than that, um, that led to a lot of issues with some of their talent. Um, and so, but yeah, with, with these two promotions, I'm not sure why they thought this would be the perfect time to start 
um, running shows again in Mexico makes no sense or starting to run shows in Mexico like Federación Wrestling. But Federación Wrestling postponed, canceled their June 19th debut show. Um, they kind of had a video that was um, promoting their show, their their debut on Mas Lucha's um, YouTube channel. And really, they didn't do that much afterwards. They kind of like started for a few weeks. They kind of didn't do anything. Then they started announcing um, guys for the Copa Federación uh, match that they were going to have. And then little by little, uh, for whatever reason, you started hearing a lot less about it. They It really started um, on June 14th. Uh, when the news came, when Rouge, Andrade, and Dragon Lee all posted that they would not be appearing at the event on Saturday, June 19th, um, Rouge and Dragon Lee also mentioned that the entire faction in Grenoble would not be appearing on the show and wished the promotion well, um, which of course kind of meant that this show was not going to happen because Rouge was pretty much the person that was really the one backing it and obviously bringing in Andrade, Dragon Lee, and Andy and Gobernables meant that that was the, the big selling point for this promotion. From those guys not coming in, then that meant the Ring of Honor guys probably weren't going to come in either. So from that point, from the moment they announced that they were going to be on the show, um, you kind of figured something was going to happen where they were going to sooner or later announce the show being canceled. Andrade actually posted that he could not come with to a good agreement with the new promotion, which um, obviously tells you that there was a, a money issue from that at some point, and that pretty much ended the possibility of that promotion running. Federacion Wrestling then posted on their social media that the show was not canceled but actually postponed and that they would reschedule for a later date. They blamed logistical issues for the reason that the show was post postponed. Um, the next day, Federacion Wrestling posted that they would soon announce a new date for their debut show. They have not announced anything. Roosh also announced that he was going to hold a press conference soon. And that I don't think that happened at all. So you pretty much had this end immediately. Um, a lot of people just assumed that it was a, a disagreement. Or, or not. I don't even think it was a disagreement. Just the fact that um, they put up a, a website where they were going to stream the show. Where you could order the, the stream. And first of all, the the the... the the pay-per-view, the iPay-per-view was going to cost about 20 bucks, which is a little, which was actually, I think, probably the most expensive iPay-per-view from a Lucha promotion within Mexico. I think AAA had a pay-per-view, but a regular um, pay-per-view that you had to pay for that was a little more expensive than that. But, um, and AAA, and I think CMLL might have had one that might have cost in the $15 range, but I don't think... For the most part, they've kind of stuck to about 10 bucks, um, 10, 12 bucks for a, a pay-per-view. Um, every so often, they're a little bit cheaper because obviously they, they realize that there's not as much interest in the shows. So um, they'll, they'll put it a little lower. Sometimes you get it for free too, which, uh, which is also kind of a, a ridiculous thing that they do. It's very inconsistent in how they, um, they've been handling pay-per-views in Mexico, um, all, the, all the promotions in reality. Uh, so... This group started at, at a high price point, and uh, from that point, and then they also had the fact that they weren't going to, at the time that they announced the show, um, there wasn't any um, certainty that they were going to be able to have fans in attendance, um, especially if they were going to run a show, uh, an event in a, in a bigger arena. I mean, it's very different from running, um, you know, Arena Nesta, Arena Lopez Mateos, Arena Nacalpan to running a bigger um, venue like 
like the like the Arena Mexico or the some of the venues that that AAA runs like Arena Ciudad de Mexico, um, the bigger uh, uh, arenas. So they ended up going with um, the the Lienzo Charo Constituyentes um, venue in Mexico City, which I think is might be a little bit bigger than some of the the like Arena Netza and some of the smaller indie um, places that some of the places that indie some of the venues that indie promotions run in in Mexico City. Um, but um, they were, I think at that point in time, they were probably going to be at 30% capacity if they followed the the government um, rules. So um, I don't know that given the amount of talent that they were bringing in, that wasn't going to cover the cost for those for those guys. And then um, the pay-per-view was not doing well. I don't think they were doing very well. It doesn't help that they started off with the with, with the their PayPal and if you're gonna pay um, the email that showed up on PayPal was um uh, to to pay them was um, brutalsexmusic at gmail and honestly I think that that right there if somebody sees that as the the PayPal address I think there's a handful of people that would be like you know I don't know if I want to send uh, some someone this this you know twenty bucks and really feel comfortable that for one. There's a history of paper of lucha paper use not working, and you having to get refunds. And then, are you going to get a refund from somebody that has the email address brutalsexmusic at gmail.com? That was kind of like a, a warning sign right there. Um, but honestly, this just really this kind of just fell apart from the moment it started. Um, it, it really looked like it was a, a promotion that was built around uh, Roosh and his friends getting a, a booking, um, even like. Someone like Diamante Azul, who everybody just thought that as soon as Rush announced um, Federacion Wrestling, everybody assumed Diamante Azul was going to be somebody that was going to be part of that group. Um, instead, he ends up kind of going to AAA. And for the most part, it kind of looks like he's been uh, more focused in that faction that he's formed with um, Puma King and Sam Adonis as La Empresa, um, getting more bookings through AAA and you know, as an independent in other places. Um, so you're you're not really seeing, you don't really see him wanting to be part of that. Um, he didn't want to be part of the, the you know, if, if Diamante Azul kind of saw there was something wrong with that promotion, you kind of know there was, that there was, this show was probably not going to happen. And it didn't. And I don't think it's going to happen at all. If it did, if Roosh was to do another attempt at running a promotion, He's probably best off not starting a new promotion and just call, you know calling it Federacion Wrestling. He's probably better off just going with something different. Um, I really think the his downfall was that um, he probably should have focused more on being an independent promotion and not really trying to be the the next big thing in Mexico during a pandemic. It just wasn't going to work. Um, the timing was really bad. Um, we have a history of a lot of um, people getting into running big shows. That are even, I mean, have far more um, people involved, and they still fail. And I just kind of thought that this wasn't going to work out, especially when you have Roosh and so many of the people that were involved. Really, their commitments were going to be more focused as far as being international wrestlers, and not so much. Um, I kind of thought that, for one thing, you know, if Roosh, whoever was going to run the promotion, if they're like take Rouge, his his main priority is trying to be an international star, so I don't think he was gonna be too concerned with the the smaller details of running a, a wrestling promotion. You know, booking talent, um, planning 
um, storylines and and angles and stuff like that. So um, whoever was gonna, they would have had to have brought in somebody else to do that stuff, because I just can't imagine the guys who were in that who were announced as part of the promotion. They did not seem like they were really, um, you know, you kind of need somebody who's going to be focused on that primarily. And I just didn't think anybody that was involved in that promotion would be part of that um, at a at a larger scale. So we get that, and it pretty much died down after that. But while that was going on, we also had Alberto El Patron, uh, you know, back in the in the in the spotlight, uh, kind of talking about you know he was getting booked on shows to work against Adrade, um, a couple of other independent shows that he was getting booked on, and then suddenly he started talking about the you know the possibility of Nación Lucha Libre coming back, and then this happened the. The a few a few not not too long after the 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 Federación Wrestling failure, um, there was the announcement of Robles Patron Promotions, which held a press conference to announce their upcoming shows and introduce some of their roster. The promotion will be headed by Alberto El Patron, who of course is bringing in the El Patron promotion into this. And Fernando Robles, who is the president of Robles Promotion. Um, Fernando Robles, um, the Robles Promotion, they've been running shows out of McAllen, Texas. And um, for the most part, I think since about, I would guess since about 2016, 2017, they've been running shows. Um, more recently, they've been um, internationalizing themselves, running shows in Mexico. And um, they've actually been booking, um, running shows in Guatemala, Guatemala for um, uh, work, working with the Arena Guatemala, Mexico, um, the guys who run that that uh, arena. So now you have Alberto. They've actually also been booking AAA talent for those shows as well. So um, you kind of thought there might be some AAA involvement with this. But apparently this ended up being another promotion that is starting up. And they held a press conference and announced the Echo in Mexico show that would be taking place on August 26th at the Pepsi Center in Mexico City. Um, Alberto said later in an interview that Nacion Lucha Libre was a separate entity, but that Robles would still be helping with that as well. They would kind of use be using their um, resources to help with Nacion Lucha Libre. Um, press conference was pretty entertaining as, you know, again, a lot of the big words, you know, not, not tri- AAA and CMLL aren't the competition. Um, talked about how this was the place for the, the talent to um, get to grow and, and be um, treated properly and fairly. Talked about how they were going to get, um, they were going to sign contracts, and and um, these contracts were going to be legit. And and you know, we'll talk about the contracts because I think this is one thing that we're starting to see with a lot of luchadors that um, they might not want to be signing contracts. We've seen it with AAA in the past, uh, and we've seen it with, um, especially with Ali Park talking about how he won't sign a contract. Um, he'll. He'll do a, a, an agreement, but he won't sign a contract. You know, it just tells you how bad how bad contracts are. And we'll talk about that because it's been happening on the independent level, which is silly. I don't know why you would become an independent, independent wrestler and think that you should sign a contract, which is, you know, that's pretty much one of the worst ideas you could come up with. Because for one thing, as an independent wrestler, you should not be signing contracts unless you're in a major promotion and they actually have, um, they have, the, you know, proper you know they're offering you a good financial deal and they're giving you enough work where you're able to provide for your family um it's a bad idea if you're just signing it 
thinking that this promotion is going to be a big deal and it ends up being a, a complete mess. As for and for the most part, a lot of these promotions end up being a big complete mess very quickly. Um, the talent at the press conference included Cinta de Oro, uh, formerly Sin Cara, um, Faraón de Oro, Reina Dorada, Diosa Quetzal, Brazo de Oro Jr., Brazo Celestial, Brazo Cibernético, Hijo de Fishman, Averno, Bugambilia, and Tonina, Tonina Jackson Jr. Um, also at the later introduced were Supernova, La Mascara, Maximo, and Tejano Jr. Uh, Maximo and Tejano Jr. both announced that they had left AAA and were now independent and had joined the Patron, the Robles Patron promotion, um, which, you know, that, I, I don't think it was that big of a surprise with Maximo because he wasn't really getting a lot of work through um, AAA. He was still getting a couple of, sh appearing on a few shows, but um, Tejano Jr. was the big surprise. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in in, in a bit, but um, I just want to keep going with the, as far as the, the Robles Patron um, roster and what they're planning to do. Um, they also announced some, uh, Alberto del Alberto Patron also announced other members of the roster who were unable to attend because they're working elsewhere or were busy um, with something else going on in their lives, which included Ali Park, Pental Cero M, um, Carlito Colon, Apollo, Joe Leader, Diamante Azul, Andrade, and Phoenix. There's also, later on, we found out that Estrellita had also joined um, Robles Patron Promotions. Um, she appears to have left CMLL, although she has not confirmed her departure, and we have not heard from CMLL if she has left. Um, I think this is more likely that we'll hear from um, Estrellita. But, um, yeah, she's been working a lot of the the Robles show. She's I think she's announced for a couple of the not necessarily the, the big one that's coming up in Mexico City, but she's announced for some of the other ones. Um, she wasn't listed for this um, press conference either, but she, for the most part, people just assume she's she's left CMLL. Um, Alberto later mentioned there was one more luchador who was going to attend and join Robles promotions, but didn't show up. He said that he never really cared for him, but said Cinta de Oro vouched for him. Um, that immediately, um, some people, because uh, Cinta de Oro, too, had posted a, a photo with Mystico, the current Mystico of CMLL. So a lot of people thought that that maybe was Mystico. Um, I thought it might have been Caristico just because Alberto is very um, flippant about him and said that he didn't care about him, didn't really like him anyways. And that immediately brought up, to me, it was, you know, it's probably Caristico just because um, Caristico, for the most part, it would not have surprised me if he would have shown up thinking he could work the show. Uh, and the way, and what um, what Alberto said was that the wrestler who was going to show up backed out because he thought this show was going to be um, airing on Imagen TV, which Alberto said was not the case. Um, this the the Robles Patron shows are not airing on on um, on Imagen TV. That that is um, Imagen TV will be airing Nacion Lucha Libre shows. We still have no idea how big of a difference that's going to be as far as the the two um, groups. Um, I'm I'm gonna guess it's gonna be very similar, and I think um, who the the wrestler that decided to um, not show up probably figured that would be the case anyways. Alberto made it seem like it wasn't. Um, I'm gonna assume if that ends up happening that it'll end up just being the Robles Patron shows airing on um, as Nacion Lucha Libre on uh, on. Anima and TV. I mean, we've seen, I think we, I think there was a show. I'm trying to remember what promotion it was. 
there was a promotion a couple years ago that had TV, and they were just airing another promotion song. They they had worked under they had actually um, been under a different name, and they ended up just um, airing those shows that they had, that that were already in the can and had happened years ago, and they just aired them themselves on the on that um on that network, and then it kind of just you know it just kind of just fell apart, and we never heard about it again. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of what's going on with um the I have no idea. I I, I would assume. It would not shock me if it was mystical or charistical. Honestly, either one would have been a surprise. Um, it could have been somebody else. Um, it wouldn't have surprised me if it was somebody from the like Rouge or somebody like that that maybe thought they they changed their mind about working that show. Um, who knows? Maybe someday someone will ask Alberto and he'll reveal it. Um, he was very revealing in that post press conference interview. Um, I'm surprised he didn't reveal the name of that person because he kind of got he really got a little bit out of. Um, he kind of got. He kind of went a little too far as far as what he would, he probably should have said in that post um, press conference interview. Um, surprised nobody like told him not to say that some of the stuff, but you know he did. It's Alberto. He kept talking. Um, so the the August twenty sixth show at the Pepsi Center in Mexico City, um, they have they did announce the lineup. Um, the opening match is Mascara Magica Jr. and Ray Pegasus versus Anthus and Mascara de Angel. Uh, I believe the Mascara Magica Jr. that is working this, the opener, is is actually the son of the Mascara Magica that worked, um, who worked in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s as Mascara Magica and CMLL, who later lost his mask to, um, in, uh, I think it was a cage match, wasn't he, with, um, with when he was in the, the whole uh, in, Infernales, Hijos del Averno feud, whatever that whole thing was at that point in time. I think he was the one that was in that, that, that was that, that, um, it was something like that that he lost his mask in, but, you know, the one that later went on to get, to go to wrestle in Guadalajara and pretty much disappeared for a bit. I think he's, he's very active in social media though. Um, the second match is the Bras, Braso de Oro Jr. teaming up with Supernova versus Bungambilia and Tonina Jackson Jr. versus Estrellato and Ray Estral. The third match is the women's match, which is Ecopa, Robles, y Patron. I mean, I don't understand these promotions. They're, they have this habit where they ha- always have to have a Copa in their first big event that they have. Um, you know, you don't really need to um, do a Copa for your inaugural or your first big event in Mexico. Um, let's, let's, wait. let's wait until you've actually lasted a year and then do a Copa, honestly. I could, I'll, give, I'll give AAA a pass. CML has so many Copas. Um, AAA does as well. I mean, let's some of the independent promotions have Copas. Let's wait till you actually have a, a year under your belt before you debut a Copa honoring, you know, your promotion. But they do have this Copa Robles y Patron, uh, which is a women's match, a three-way women's match, which is Diosa Quetzal and Dulce Sexy versus Baronesa and Estrellita. Oh, there she is. Estrellita is working this show. Versus Diosa Aten- Atenia and Reina Dorada. The fourth match is Hijo de Dos Caras and Hijo del Fishman versus Dark Cuervo and Dark Scoria versus Rayo de Oro and Voltron versus Hijo de L.A. Park and L.A. Park Jr., which is a four-way tag match. Um, Voltron is a, a wrestler out of the Guatemala shows that they've been working. He's one of the guys who runs Arena Guatemala, Mexico. So he's he's going to be there also um, Rayo de Oro, somebody that works on Arena Guatemala, Mexico. Um, so they're at least trying to bring in a different group of talent into their their roster. It's not going to be, um, 
it's not going to be a lot of extra there is going to be a lot of ex-triple-a xml guys because there, you really can't do it without some of those guys in the promotion but it's kind of like at least they're trying to bring in a, a little bit of new blood into their promotion um the fifth match is Apollo, La Mascara, and Maximo versus Averno, DMT Azul, and Joe Leader. Why they would book this as a semi-main event, I don't know. It sounds horrible. <laughs> Other than Averno and Maximo, this is this is a dreadful semi-main event. When La Mascara is in your semi-main event, uh, you're, and Diamante Azul is also in your semi-main event, uh, we saw what they were like in, in, in CMLL, their last few years there and um it wasn't very entertaining um hopefully they just turn it into a brawl and this this also led to averno kind of uh, at the press conference reminding everyone that um he had a rivalry with la mascara who um actually took averno's mask and averno said he still had pay, wanted payback against him uh, honestly la mascara even when he took averno's mask wasn't very good he's far worse now so um, this is really kind of a disappointing use for Averno. Um, I, I was really kind of hoping Averno would go back to CML, honestly. Um, of all the guys that I thought maybe they would reconsider bringing back, and obviously right now with the pandemic, um, probably not an ideal time to bring back a, 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 a guy who's pretty much going to demand or, requ- or, or, or deserves um, semi or main event stat type money. Probably not the right time to bring him in, but... I think he's somebody that would have brought in a lot of value to CML, not just as a wrestler, but also as a trainer. Um, probably could have filled out um, a spot as a trainer, um, taking the Arcángel de la Muerte spot. That would have been something I would have liked to have seen, uh, just because I think he's he's really talented. And I think he could have brought in, uh, especially with the fact that they've um, they've made some changes. I think that's probably one of the next shows I'm going to do. Like, what would I do if I ran CMLL? That would be one of the names that that I would bring back. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I would that they they, they kind of like dropped the ball on that I probably that that you know CMLL. You know, there's a lot of stuff they like if you watch Informa. Um, a lot of the guys came up with would come. A lot of the guys come up with ideas for shows, and or angles or storylines. And they have some pretty good ideas. Maybe don't have them kind of like lead the idea. But if there's somebody in CML that could actually kind of like figure out more or less what to do with it, there's actually some good stuff that they could have done and they kind of just dropped the ball with it, um, never doing it or just completely ignoring what's going on um, or any suggestions of get, of doing it. Um, but I think Averno would have been somebody I would have brought back um, to CMLL. I don't know if he would have wanted to, uh, you know, been back full time and of course and even then i mean the fact that cml could really use a lot of talent um especially experience as far as veterans um because a lot of guys are kind of just mailing it in and you you have this middle group of guys who have been around for so long that are either not really going 100 percent, and it kind of feels like you need one guy who can at least work with the younger guys and kind of start like at least giving them a little motivation. I think Averno is one of those guys that can do that. Um, so that's pretty much just somebody I would I would have thought I would have liked to have seen back in CMLL. Um, the main event for the for the ver- for this show is going to be Alberto El Patron teaming up with LA Park versus Cinta de Oro, who will be teaming up with Penta Cero M versus Carlito and Tejano Jr. Um, this doesn't really come across like a very appealing main event, um, a three-way tag match, uh, which is something that gets done all the time in, in, in Mexico. 
nowadays they just don't really seem to come up with a, a really big to me this would have been the perfect time to do something either a a, a, a big singles match to start your sh your first big you know kind of like your big introduction to the to that market or you know to see if there's any value in that guy or maybe just do something like a tag match or or a dream match and i kind of think honestly i would have just done uh, alberto patron nelly park versus pentacero m and tejano jr i think that would have been fine and then just lowered carlito and cinta de oro down the card just because i don't think those two guys have the value as main eventers to really do anything um on this in this promotion um cinta de oro first of all i mean he's using the name of a, a guy who was a, a juarez legend and i I, I don't I don't understand why he keeps trying to live off of other people's um you know I understand he kind of got slighted with the mystical name but then the Sincara and then Cinta de Oro it's kind of like I, I kind of wish he would have just done something like with his own name and obviously just I think he just wants a shortcut to be a a, a name in, in in Lucha Libre or in pro wrestling and with somebody's using somebody else's established name I just find it kind of kind of lame um, Carlito honestly I don't think he makes a big difference in this in this for this promotion. Uh, I know the Crash has used him in other promote independent promotions, and I think AAA might have used him as well. And um, he doesn't really add a lot to the to this um, roster. It's it's a very underwhelming show for for me. I'm actually kind of more interested in in the in like the opening matches, honestly, just because there's a lot of different people that I haven't seen. Um, but other than that, I don't I don't know I don't really see this. Um, I see it really comes down to Robles. If he's going to be, if he sees a, if there's more to it where he thinks this, this can be um, something he could continue to run, then it'll, he should be able to, it should be able to last a little longer than, than some of these, um, you know, these other promotions. I don't know if it's going to last as long as like elite did Lucha Libre elite, which lasted, I think about a year, but even that, Lucha Libre Elite, once they lost um, out on Arena Mexico, they kind of just started to falter when they were running smaller venues. They just could not continue. And, you know, for the most part, it just became just a name that they, that was being used to, um, to you know, promote talent from that group to do invasion angles with AAA. And, you know, it really didn't lead to anything. Um, another big thing out of this, um, this press conference really was the post um press conference interview that Alberto Patron had where he really um, the interview got really weird with him talking about the legal his legal issues he's been going through and then he started to trash um, whoever had accused him um, I don't know if he was necessarily accusing um, Paige or the person that he um, later accused him the most recent one um, but it kind of seemed like he was very um, it, it was getting a little bit out of hand and it wasn't that he was I, he was trying to defend himself but I think it really is hard when you're being accused of domestic abuse. Um, it's probably best not to say anything and let your lawyers handle um, all that um, discussion because you're not going to look good in front of the, the, the public. And in this case, I didn't think he looked good at all when he was talking about that. Um, he kind of tried to soften it by talking about how, you know, he agreed with the, the Me Too movement and uh, the, you know, his mom had been a, a victim of, of a, a of the, of that sort of a, of an abuse and but for the most part when he started going on and on about it it really got even worse and this is one of the things i don't like about the mexican media is like they don't really bring that up 
they don't really talk about that like the lucha promotion like the lucha sites none of them really talked about it um there wasn't really this big discussion about hey you know this guy just pretty much went off the off the rails talking about this stuff but to me it really looked bad uh and he probably shouldn't say anything but um he did mention on during that interview that they they were gonna have he was gonna have a a media tour um talking about this um stuff as far as um in mexico and in the united states so i don't know it's gonna be pretty bad i i, I don't know if that's a good idea in other news bandito won the ring of honor world title on sunday july 11th at roh's best in the world show in baltimore maryland he beat Roosh, who had held the title going back to February 29th, 2020. Um, Bandito was attacked after his win by Faccion Ingobernable. On the same show, Dragon Lee beat Tony Deppen to win back the ROH World Television title. Um, that um, that was a pretty big uh, win for Bandito. I think that kind of like, I think right now, if you're gonna, if you if you're gonna like want to do something where you're gonna have big matches as your you know, and Ring of Honor's really like in their past was really about the big matches on main events. I I think Bandito's the guy to go with. Um, I've seen him in PWG where he, he's basically just been a big match performer. Um, that's something I think the the lucha promotions and even independent groups probably should focus on if they're going to use Bandito. He's not somebody. He's somebody that you could bring in and he'll deliver on a big match. Um, he, we, he did. He did it with Volador Jr. And I think he, he'll he'll do it for as far as independence. That's why it kind of it kind of bugs bugs me when when you see these independent promotions start. Um, you know, like Federación Wrestling. If you have access to Bandito, I would think you would want to start with something where where you know Bandito is kind of like the main one of the main uh, focal points on the show. And um, because right now he's really been the the guy in Mexico. You know, it's a shame CML kind of ended that um, severed ties with him so soon. Um, but you know, he's somebody that I, I think he is he he he's he's pretty much like if you're gonna have a you know, there's LA Park, Rouge, and I think Bandito's kinda joining that group. Hijo, Hijo del Santo was in that group as well. Um, so you're kinda you kinda wanna have those type of guys. And I think that's kinda like the the point where you kinda wanna use Bandito, not in a trios or four team you know elimination match or four-way tag match or a three-way you know trios match you know it's got to be something where he's going to be a focal point in in a big singles match or you know a tag match that it where it's like you know the way the way that he was used for a big match in cmll and then you know with ring of honor and pwg you know you need to get that one a couple of big matches out of him because it's gonna it's it's something that you want to get the fans interested in um I think that's one of the things that I noticed with a lot of independent promotions in Mexico. Um, they don't understand, like, they start complaining about people not wanting to watch their shows or their pay-per-views. And really, they don't really come up with a lineup that you're really looking forward to. And I think, and same thing with CMLL, and AAA kind of gets it. I think they're the one promotion that kind of gets it. Although there are points in time where they'll just do, you know, random, you know, you know the trios match in the main event or something like that and it's not necessarily that as important so so to me it's more about like if you're gonna do something like i pay-per-views you kind of have to like you kind of have to build it up to what that audience wants and a lot of people that order paper i pay-per-views are looking to get like they want to see good matches that's what they want to see like it's not like 
you know, they could be bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. Just because just because you come up with good a good lineup doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be turn up turn out to be a good show. Um, but it has to kind of come across like you're giving a, a you're trying. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to actually have a good show. So to me, the fact that you're not even like like look at CMLL. They have Echiseto. They rarely use them. I'm pretty sure if you mention Echiseto versus like you know if they would have announced Echiseto versus um, I'm trying to well right now there's really not a lot of choices but Echiseto versus Titan in a singles match or or something like that. I'm pretty or Templario versus um, Titan or something like that. You know there's gonna have there's gonna be a handful of people who are like oh that's a match I would definitely want to see, and they don't announce that stuff. Instead they kind of just do another trios match or they do Volador Junior versus the same guy over and over again, um, or Ultimo Girl versus the same guy over and over again. So it kind of it just kind of feels like it's just repetitive. So they don't order it, and in Independence they just like to fill up their shows. Like all these guys, they'll have like a, a six match show and it'll be like. 40 wrestlers on the amongst the six matches and you know that's not gonna that's not gonna end up being a a, a very fascinating show it's gonna be interesting to see what bandito is able to do as um roh world champion um for the most part you usually want to have the the baby face be the one chasing and when the baby baby face is the main guy um it kind of doesn't lead to a lot but i think that was more something that was done in the past um nowadays like I said, the big match, you know, fans want that big match and Bandito can deliver that better than most wrestlers nowadays. So so I think that's something that that I'm really excited to see what what they'll what he's able to do and who he's gonna wrestle. Um obviously he'll probably give Rush Rush a rematch. Will he give Dragon Lee a shot at the title? And there's so many other possibilities of, of guys that he could um wrestle. Um it seems it should be fun. One of the other interesting stories that has been going on for the past couple of weeks has been the issues that wrestlers have been having with um, IWRG. I mean, if you have been following Lucha since the pandemic, IWRG has really been one of the few promotions that I think the first couple of months they were off because of the shutdowns throughout the, not just the United States, but throughout the world. They were pretty much closed for a short period of time, and then they started running shows again. Uh, I think probably last summer or so that they started running again. Um, but they've been very consistently um, ongoing as far as their shows go. Um, their Sunday shows were, were still very much going on. Then um, this year, they started running their um, their Thursday shows, which are a lighter um, version of what they have on Sundays. So. They've been they've been pretty active. They've probably been other th- and with fans in attendance too. They've kind of, I think when they first started, they did have um, no fans in there, but then they started having a few more, and then they started saying that they had thirty percent capacity. At a point in time when a lot of like CMLL and really, really only CMLL because AAA hasn't still um, done a lot with fans, shows with fans in attendance, but CMLL really barely got into the. 25 to 30 percent capacity in mid late june so i think iwrg was even running shows with supposedly 30 percent capacity even like a couple months prior to that and one of the things that happened was that supposedly they had 30 percent capacity that was the limitation that they were putting they were claiming they were having but when you would see pictures of IWRG shows, the Sunday shows, you would see that there was way more than 30% capacity in attendance. So that kind of led to some issues with some of the talent. 
Um, those traumas were really the ones that really brought it up initially, um, since they were pretty much guys who were working main event matches. And they talked about how they weren't getting paid, what the percentage they should be getting as far as they were getting paid based off of the percentage of 30% capacity. When really, when they would look into the crowd, they noticed there was more than 30%, so they should be getting more money. And what ended up happening is they have, they complained about it. They asked for more money. They got turned down. And those traumas ended up leaving. And for the most part, it kind of seemed like IWRG made them seem like the bad guys. Like, oh, we're doing a, we're, we're running through a, we're having a pandemic. And, and these guys are being greedy and want more money. But then you also look at the, the luchador side of things where they're saying that the promotion is actually um, breaking the rules, really, and having a, a larger amount of people attending when they were supposedly having 30% capacity. And they're also seeing um, the, the promoters kind of line their pockets with, with money that should be going to talent. They're not asking that they go broke or anything. They're just asking for their the amount that's just that, that's justified for their work. So you had them complain about it, so they ended up leaving. Then after that, um, you had... Los Negociantes, who are Fresero Jr. and Demonio Infernal. And they kind of got into a bit of an issue also uh, money-wise where they were noticing that they weren't getting paid as an act that was actually moving up the cards. They were pretty much, when Los Traumas left, they were really the guys that kind of took over as the the lead um, team, the lead group there. And they kind of felt that they deserved to make more money. And they also had some issues where from what they they explained in the they basically what the what ended up happening is they also left um over these over issues with IWRG and that led to another wrestler that also left Baby Extreme who also left so um this past Sunday they held a press conference where um Los Traumas were represented by Trauma 1 Trauma 2 is currently out with an injury he had surgery so he's out Kind of interesting he wasn't because I think if he would have been one of the people that was talking about this, he would have been able to express a little bit more of uh, the issues because he's more of the talker of the two. Um, trauma one is more um, reserved when it comes to talking. And um, the one good thing is Fresedo Jr. did a great job in the press conference explaining their grievances against IWRG. And not just IWRG, other promoters, um, they kind of explain that there's a lot of um, shady promoters that are, are kind of just doing stuff to their advantage and kind of hurting talent. And Demonio Infernal, were, they were the three, three that were there. Baby Extreme wasn't there. Baby Extreme lives in Monterey, travels from Monterey to Mexico City or Nacalpan to get um, when he's booked on shows. And that was another issue that came about. But basically, Demonio Infernal and Fresero Jr. were saying that um, the reason they left was they kind of complained about not getting paid properly and wanting to get paid, you know, what they deserved. And so what ended up happening, um, um, IWRG's Marco Antonio Moreno and the rest of the, the whoever else is in charge kind of felt that um, they had to uh, punish them for being, um, for for kind of bugging them over pay. pay. And also because they also had had some brawls where um, they had broken some chairs and, and done some stuff where, you know, they kind of don't, they kind of reprimand talent for that. Um, so what ended up happening is they were told by IW, by Marco Antonio Moreno that um, they were going to get punished and would be out of IWRG for about a month and a half. 
And so he told them to go talk to programming, the programming department or programming di director about um, getting bookings outside of, um, outside of Nakalpan, uh, outside of IWRG, so they could still have work. And um, because basically that's also one thing that the promotions also do. A lot of the, the programming department also handle, handles bookings um, for talent. Supposedly, they're supposed to handle bookings, but I think for the most part, if the wrestler has um, is able to get a, a booking with an, a, a promotion, they'll go to the promote to the the booking department and tell them they're we're working for the um, I have this date with so and so, and then they kind of schedule it around them. Or if they have a, an important show in CMLL or IWRG or AAA or any promotion, um, they have to tell them no, you can't work that show because. Um, we have this big show event happening and you're part of the, that show. So they have to cancel that show. So IWRG's programming director, the um, negociantes go down to talk to him. And he ends up telling them that he did not know anything about um, what was going on and that he had no bookings scheduled for them outside of um, an IWRG show that they had. And so they, they, they weren't there to help them. So um, Fresero Jr. said that they took the booking with um, Arena Lopez Mateos for a Lucha Libre Boom show, I think. And um, one of the problems with Lucha Libre Boom is that they have heat with Marco Antonio Moreno and IWRG. I think it's over the whole um, PAL alliance mess that, that came about. Um, IWRG and a group of promoters came together to start a, a kind of have an alliance where um, talent they would exchange talent and then you know guys would get to book work those um, shows so they kind of had a you know it was kind of a way to get talent more bookings um, it didn't work out immediately because um, it's impossible for promoters to work together because they all have egos and they all want to do you know they all want to do their own thing and be the bosses and so that fell apart I think the majority of the people that were involved um, left I know one one of the people that was involved was um, the promoter from Generacion 21 and he he unfortunately passed away um, but some of the other people promoters were quick to just leave I think within the first couple of months there were already like a couple of promotions that had left and so um, that kind of that kind of eliminated that Lucha Libre Boom was one of the groups that was involved and so that they became enemies with um, IWRG so then so which means for whatever reason because it's the promoters going to war or having a disagreement um, the wrestlers can't work. Wrestlers that are independent wrestlers, mind you. It would be very different when you have CMLL and AAA. Um, AAA is kind of a little more uh, murkier because the guys, um, a lot of them are independent wrestlers working for AAA, working on AAA shows, but they have a handful of guys that are actually part of the AAA roster that actually have to ask for um, permission to work certain shows or they can't go to those shows. Um, or they handle their bookings. Um, the, the office handles their bookings. Uh, with CMLL, it's a little bit harder because for the most part, if you're in CMLL, you're pretty much a CMLL guy. Um, very rare. Um, other than like the guys who show up like Bandito or um, Cibernetico, guys like that. I think Caristico um, kind of falls into that category only. Um, he kind of knows that he can't work with on shows with AAA talent or with Hijo Santo. Um, those are the big no-nos that he can't work. Um, but... And we've seen this um, with CMLL. You still see it to the, to this day. Like um, there was a show in um, with Martinez Entertainment. Ultimo Guerrero was booked on that show, and there was a lot of um, the undercard um, AAA guys, and they kind of 
when they, when there was a, when when that show finally happened, Ultimo Guerrero didn't um, end up re- working that show because it would have led to some issues with with trip, um, CMLL. So that basically happened with Los Negociantes. They showed up. They kind of didn't really realize that there was a, a, a this big of an issue with Lucha Libre Boom and um, and IWRG. And then they were working a, a three way tag match where it was. Um, and there, there's another Los, Las Chotas. I think were the third team in that match. So they were also another team that was. They somehow didn't get punished, uh, but it was also Los Tramas and Los Negociantes, and Los Negociantes and Los Tramas ended up um, forming a faction, which became El Negocio Tramado. And what ended up happening, there was already some heat on Demonio Inferno and Fresedo Jr. for working that show, but what ended up really kind of. Um, getting Marco Antonio Moreno and the rest of the IWRG staff upset was that Demonio Infernal and Fresero Jr. showed up wearing trauma's mask at the Arena No Calpan show, IWRG show the following day. And that pretty much ended their run with IWRG, which eventually led to issues where um, they're kind of threatening them. They also threatened those traumas. And it's kind of like they've kind of had them blocked from working certain for certain promoters. Um, that supposedly are, are part of the PAL group. And, you know, a lot of people don't even know who's in the PAL group. The one group that everybody does know is um, Lucha Time, Lucha Time out of Monterey, because um, they've actually been kind of focused in um, in um, being part of the IWRG shows. They've been bringing in talent. That's where they got Baby Extreme from. And then we see Baby Extreme then ended up having issues. Um, basically, what ended up happening was um, Fresero Jr. explained it that Baby Extreme was going to work a, a singles match with Bandito. And this was a, a show that was not, um, was on a, on a, on a, on an indie group that wasn't part of the PAL promotion and had issues with IWRG. And I think maybe with, um, um, Lucha Time as well. And so they told him he couldn't work that show. Um, and, and that kind of really upset everyone. Um, Fresedo Jr. kind of pointed out that you know, this this would have been a great opportunity for Baby Extreme, considering Bandito is really one of the top guys in Lucha Libre who's making a mark in the United States. Has become an international star because he's also wrestled in Japan, and he's you know a, 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 a top guy. And that would have put Baby Extreme even further higher on the map. And the fact that they didn't allow him to work that match kind of like. Um, that kind of deflated the whole relationship Baby Extreme had with Lucha Time and IWRG. Um, then there was the other issues that um, that Baby Extreme had to travel from Monterey to um, Nocalpan for IWRG shows, and he was basically paying on it. It was it, the travel was on his dime. And if you find out at, during the press conference, Fresedo Jr. was talking about um, the payoffs that guys were getting for. Um, for IWRG shows and really I don't even think that covered a flight um, I would assume if, if Baby Extreme only works IW would work and I'd only like say he would show up on Thursday to work the Thursday show and then the Sunday show on, and and then head back to Monterey on Sunday night he'd have to get an extra booking on Saturday or and Friday just to even make money because um, they weren't really making a lot um, they were talking about the payoffs they're getting, and you know, granted, this is pesos. the The cost of living very different in Mexico to the United States. But when you see the, when you do the whole, um, the, when you see what the total is in pesos in U.S. dollars, it's very, it's very low. Um, 
I'm surprised nobody from the U.S. has realized that, you know, somebody who has a business, and I think this is what might actually be the reason Robles Promotions um, might be able to do something in, in Mexico. Um, if you're going to pay talent in Me- within when they're working in Mexico, pay them <laughs> in terms like, and I'm not talking about Alberto, but I'm talking about like the undercard, the guys who haven't traveled to the U.S., haven't seen the price, the, the amount they could make in the U.S., um, and you're paying them the, the amount that that. I mean, if you're paying somebody on the... And an opening match, thirty bucks. That's already main event money in IWRG from the sounds of it, because they they weren't making a lot of money, and so um, they, that's really what they were kind of arguing about. So all these guys have been talking about how IWRG has kind of closed the doors on them, and um, I've kind of found it interesting because Fresedo Junior is very um, um, well spoken. He talked about how. They have these contracts and how the contracts are a joke. Not just IWRG, but there's a lot of promotions that are signing guys to contracts. And he was kind of explaining that it's understandable. Like if you're in a in a a sport or like in CMLL, CMLL, where if you get injured, they'll cover your expense, medical expenses. Or if you're traveling to those shows, they're actually going to cover the travel. Um, IWRG and some of these promotions that have uh, talent sign contracts they don't cover most of this stuff it's not even enough money to like make it a it's not worth it to be an exclusive um and the other thing fresero jr was saying that it would be one thing if you were exclusive take away all the you know the you know travel and um the expenses for that or medical expenses but i he kind of mentioned that iwrg doesn't even have enough contacts to get them booked on shows like throughout Mexico or outside of Mexico in the U.S. or Japan. And he said that IWRG would always talk about how, how they had contacts in Japan, but when they would ask for that, they wouldn't get it. And then so Forsetto Jr. pointed out that um, they could they he's never seen anybody from IWRG get through IWRG a work visa to work outside of uh, Mexico. And so... He kind of pointed out, yeah, there's a lot of talent that rustles outside of Mexico on travel visas. But he said, but but that's a risk because if they find out that you're doing that, you could actually lose that. You could lose that visa and you could be banned from working outside of Mexico, you know, from travel for a couple of years. I think Hector Garza, that happened to him when he, um, but I think he got caught with steroids or something. <laughs> and he was banned from um, working the United States, I think, for about five years. He, he, he wasn't able to travel, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he did a, he did an interview. I think I mentioned it in a previous podcast. And so, and, and as Rosetto Jr. said, he's like, he's like, Demonio Infernal and I, we don't have these pretty looks where we could get away with, you know, just showing up and being um, not taken, um, you know, just to say we're traveling or whatever. Um, they're going to think there's something up with us. So he said it's not worth the risk to do that. Um, very, very insightful. Um, Fresero Jr. was a very interesting um, inter- um, interview during that um, press conference. Um, very, very, he, he did open up a lot about the inner workings of Lucha Libre. Um, and it's very unfortunate because I think these guys have talent. Um, those traumas have already proven that they're a pretty established team. I think their problem is that they kind of don't want to be um, restricted. So they've always been more about agreeing to work as independents. So you never really got to see them in CMLL. or And, and, and their, their runs in AAA were very limited because obviously they did not want to sign contracts. And obviously because they're certain, um, they're very... Um, they're very similar to Nero Navarro in the way of thinking where they're, they're set in a certain way as far as things that they want to do. Um, whereas 
Fercero Jr. and Demonio Infernal, I think they finally caught on to some a gimmick that works as Los Negociantes. And I think they're they're like a duo, a tag team that I think could do well. Um, they could succeed. Um, it's unfortunate that this happened to them. Um, same thing with Baby Extreme. And Baby Extreme was talking about how I saw an interview he did and he talked about how he has a daughter and family, other family that depends on him. And he's like, it wasn't really worth it for me to just have an exclusive contract uh, when it, they're not even providing enough economically to make it worthwhile to stick around with that group. And and as as Fresedo Jr. said, it's like most of the talent that, that works independently already d- handles bookings on their own. So, you know, if you want somebody to sign a contract, then the, the least you could do is take away some burden that they have to do, with, be it... Um, you know, scheduling their their bookings for other promotions, getting them bookings for other um, indie groups, or um, you know, handling the travel for them, and they weren't doing that stuff. So it's kind of it. and he um, the Demonio Infernal even said they don't even have an office that handles that. So um, they found it kind of ridiculous to be part of that. So that was kind of like the big news as far as um, independent wrestling, but you kind of expect that from from you know that's it's not and it's not just a. a, a a Mexico thing that's existed in the U.S. as well um, over the the decades. Um, even when there was territories, the one good thing back in the the territorial days that you know guys could actually go and have a, a, a successful run because they could work um, for a, a stretch of time in in one territory. And then once they kind of like burned out or were kind of like not not um, being used properly, they could go to another one and succeed there. And you know, unfortunately for these guys, there's a lot of restrictions. Um, in, in Mexico and currently with the pandemic it's harder now also because you're getting a lot of um, promotions or indie groups that aren't really um, running on a regular basis or they're having to cancel every so often so that's been the the independent news in Lucha Libre which I think this might be the the heaviest um, independent wrestling news segment of Lucha, of the Lucha World podcast that I've ever done um, I, there might have been a few where we may have had some news about guys going independent, but um, for the most part, it's never been like a almost like a, a an hour of just talking about independent wrestling. Um, so we'll now go into the big two promotions, which of course we get to AAA and the latest news that they've had. And of course, I mentioned earlier, Tejano Jr. left AAA and joined the Robles Patron Promotions. It was mentioned by Alberto Patron that Fernando Robles was the one that recruited him to join the group. Tejano Jr. on his way out thanked AAA but felt it was time for something new in his career. Um, he had been in AAA for a long time. I would say probably 2010, 2011. Um, so it's been about 10 years that he's been there. It's been, you know, it's been a while. I, it, it, time flies. I mean, he was in CMLL for like like since the early 2000s. So um, he's somebody that's been around for a very long time. And he's still relatively young, and as far as um, still, I think he's still not even in his forties, probably, probably in his late thirties. Um, and he's still he's still very he's a very talented wrestler. But I think he kind of figured it was time for him to move on. Um, one of the things I, I um, he mentioned is that he wanted to team up more with his brother Supernova, and they had had some success on the independent scene. I think they had um, feuded with um, Lucha Brothers. And it had some matches with that involved Bandito and a couple of other people, and he thought it kind of he kind of was more excited about that stuff, um, which kind of surprised him because 
while he hasn't been the main cog in AAA in the last couple of years, um, he was really involved in a, a really good faction, Los Mercenarios, and was part of the AAA World Trios champions with that group. I thought he was him, Rey, Scorpion, La Yedra, and, and Taurus as a faction. I thought they were an excellent faction. I, I, I think they were far better. Than, um, unfortunately, they never caught on as like the Ingobernables did. But they kind of were kind of a group that I thought was a far better working um, version of uh, of those groups uh, of any group that that they a faction that we've seen they they were a very good re- working group they had a, a Ray Scorpions an excellent um, Rudo Tejano Junior another, another all all of them are, are really great workers um, even La Yedra kind of showed kind of upped her game when she joined this group and um, so that kind of surprised me but I, I think at the same time. Uh, I think the fact that he wasn't a main event guy really right now AAA has kind of been more focused on on building like big dream matches as far as their big main events. So you have um, Kenny Omega as the world champion, and and for the most part, um, Kenny Omega is going to work certain guys. And you saw it, it was basically it was Loretto Kid, uh, Phoenix, and you know, and now it's Andrade. So I don't think, um, I don't think Tejano Jr. was high on the list as a guy who was going to challenge for the belt. If Kenny Omega was going to keep holding that title. So he probably saw the, the, he probably viewed that as a, as something that kind of called likelihood that he was not going to be back on top in AAA. Um, you never know. Cause that's one of the things that, um, I find fascinating is that as fans, we've kind of figured out that title, we have this thinking that titles don't mean anything. And um, it's mostly about, you know, economics as far as why guys are going to jump from one promotion to the other. But then you hear a lot of luchadors where they talk about how they're not getting pushed and, you know, they 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 don't they want to be champions. They want to do all this stuff and they're not doing it or they're not getting there. They come up with um, their own ideas and they never see that happen in the promotion. So they end up leaving. Um, so to me, Tejano Jr. leaving um, for the most part, I think it's just him kind of realizing that it was time to to go and also one of the other things is that i think someone like tejano jr has been around for a long time in wrestling he probably kind of sees that he wants to be um not only he's already done everything he, he can in the in mexico i'm kind of thinking because of this robles um, patron group isn't just running shows in 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 mexico but they're running around you know they have plans to work outside of mexico and obviously robles run shows in um in in the united states I, I, I'm thinking Tejano Jr. is probably looking beyond, you know, being being more of an international name. So I think that's kind of what he's trying to focus on more now, um, which is fine. I think it's I think it works for him. He's talented. I thought he was great in Lucha Underground. Um, I'm surprised he wasn't somebody that kind of went from Lucha Underground to like become a a guy that people wanted in other promotions, um, because. You know, as far as heavyweight wrestlers, he's one of the best wrestlers. Plus, you don't really hear a lot of issues with him as far as being a guy who's going to be a, a problem with other talent or, or, or being having a huge ego. So to me, I kind of always wonder why he wasn't somebody that was brought in, you know, for impact a little more frequently or, or you know, some of the other groups that might have wanted um, look, were looking for a heavyweight Latin star and he would have been a, a great one to bring in. Um, AAA also announced the... Their, their upcoming Triple Mania card. Um, there was some talk that um, Tejano Jr. also left because he didn't see his name listed on the show, but I don't really believe that because I, I think I think they he could have been on the, the Copa 
you know, the Copa Bardal show, um, part of the show, or he could have done a run. And he was with Rey Scorpion being in the in the main event against Psycho Clown. Um, he would have done a run, and he would have been featured on there. Um, not just there, but he, there's plenty of like um, um, Luchador Sorpresa listings on up and down the card. So I don't think it was that. I think he kind of just figured it was time to move on. Um, but Triple Mania wasn't the lineup was, was announced. They didn't announce everybody was going to be involved, but they pretty much gave you an idea of what, what to expect for the show. Shows happening on August 14th and will be held at the Arena Ciudad de Mexico. Um, I say it's happening on August 14th right now, but there's a possibility that it might not happen because especially if there's... um. Um, right now, there are a certain number of fans that are allowed to attend shows in Mexico. I think it's 30% right now. Um, but um, COVID cases are back on the rise. So there is a slight chance that that might not um, be the case. It might have to be um, postponed or rescheduled. Um, but the card itself looks pretty good. Um, I would say there's at least uh, I would say there's at least three matches I'm really excited about watching. Um, the opener is the Marvel Lucha Libre match, which is obviously... Um, um, AAA guys dressed as Marvel character, um, these new Marvel characters that they've they've um, created. That could be good, could be bad. I, I could be. I, I don't even think it would be bad. I think it could be good. Anything anywhere from average to good. You know, something something that that's just entertaining. I'm surprised they're opening with that. Um, that could change because usually they open with a really hot opening match, and um, unless they're going to put people that are um, that type of car- um, wrestler in in the opener under the gimmicks the marvel gimmicks then it makes sense but that's interesting that they had it there the second match is the copa bardal to be fair also the lineups might actually be just switched around as well um the day of the show um the second match is the copa bardal which they announced some of the participants would be drago mr iguana and mamba um this is obviously the copa triple mania concept um hopefully they kind of limit the amount of people on that um because the last couple of times that they've done it um, the first one that they did, man, that took up at least 40, 45 minutes of time. And it just drained, sucked the life out of that show because people were so, so tired of uh, it. just kind of made the sh- a very difficult watch as far as the show um, being fun. It still they had there was still some guys afterwards that were able to pull it out, pull it, pull through and, you know, had a good, you know, brought you back into the into watching the, the rest of the show. But. Um, that can be a draining type of match. Um, hopefully this isn't, and they can limit the number. I would say limit it anywhere between 12 and under. Um, if they go be further than more than 12, it's going to be a, a struggle. Um, the third match is for the AAA World Tag Team titles as Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. defend the titles against Hijo del Vikingo and Loretto Kid and Taurus and Aluchador Sorpresa. There's another. That would have been a spot for Tejano Jr. probably. Maybe Tejano Jr. kind of gave his... Um, because they announced this prior to the press conference for um, for um, Robles Patron. Maybe there there was already some feeling that Tejano Jr. was going to leave. Um, so they kind of went with the Luchador Sorpresa. But that kind of seems like an ideal spot for Tejano Jr. Um, surprised that didn't happen. Maybe it's La Yedra who takes the spot. Or it's going to be a new member uh, of the of the Mercenarios with Taurus. Or who knows. Um, the fourth match is um, Chessman, Murder Clown, and Pagano going up against Puma King. And two luchador sorpresas. This is probably going to be La Impresa, uh, which would probably mean it's going to be DMT Azul and Sam Adonis or somebody else that's joining this group. Um, that match is probably going to be uh, mostly just a wild brawl. Um, hopefully, it's just a wild brawl and um, isn't something that that goes too long. 
because it's going to be, I don't know, I'm not really that excited about that match. The fifth match on the card is Diona Perasso versus Fabia Apache. This is being um, billed as an Impact Impact Knockout Champion versus AAA Reina, the Reina's champion, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's not it's not quite the level of a world champion versus world champion type of match, but it's still something, and it should be it should be entertaining. It should be interesting to see how Fabi reacts to um, Perazzo. Um, that could be that could be something that's uh, interesting, just because you never know um, if Fabi feels disrespected or slighted in a match. She might be a little bit rougher with um, Diana. Um, the sixth match on the card. Kenny Omega defending the AAA World Mega Heavyweight Title against Andrade. Um, they've, I think they did a, they did a video um, segment between them two to hype up this on TV. Unfortunately, in order to watch AAA TV, if you're outside of Mexico, you have to pretty much go through. Um, <laughs> hope the Cubs fan can find a stream that can he can actually um, post, and that's the way we're able to watch AAA TV right now. Um, otherwise you're probably not going to be able to watch these. And that's probably going to happen with Triple Mania also, which is a pain in the ass. Um, I wish they would resolve this whole lawsuit thing. The lawsuit is still going on, which is really causing a lot of issues. You can't watch AAA unless you're watching it through, um, you know, somebody pirating the show. And it's kind of surprising that that's going on right now. Um, but Kenny Omega versus Andrade. Um, Andrade has had some mixed reviews as far as his matches his recent matches since leaving wwe uh, which is unfortunate but i mean honestly kenny omega kenny omega has his critics but for the most part him working with guys the lucha guys loretto kid phoenix he's been able to have really good matches so i would be i would i would be um i wouldn't i would be shocked if he couldn't get a good match out of Andrade, Andrade still has it. So I think I think this is going to be a good match. I don't know if it's going to be the the level of like you know Dave Meltzer giving it six seven stars, but worst case this is going to probably be like at least minimal a uh, four star match, just because Kenny Omega's in it. And you know, I'm not like this huge like this type of person that's going to like. I don't know. This, this this there's this weird thing with Kenny Omega where some people really don't like him and others do, but. I'm gonna be honest with you. I saw all his. I've seen a lot of his stuff from Japan, um, from the time he was in DDT and then working New Japan. I don't. I've never been disappointed in his matches. I, I think he's 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 good. Um, I'm not really a big fan of his um his his mannerisms. I think he kind of act, he kind of comes across a little bit clownish to me. But that's just his personality to me. Really, that's that's all it is. So I mean, but when he gets in the ring, I think he's he's really good. Um, and the main event for the Triple Mania will be um, Psycho Clown versus Ray Scorpion in a mask versus hair match. That should be a, a good match. Both those guys are really good workers, so I expect that to be a, a really great match, and I expect that to have a lot of interference and a lot of um, a wild brawl, blood. This should be a fun match. I think I think the last two matches on the show are really going to be great, and I think it's it's unfortunate that Triple A isn't really going to be able to reap the rewards of this as far as um because i mean we still don't know how many people are going to attend this show so they're probably not going to make the amount of money they would hope and then they're not going to make any money off of ipay-per-views streaming services because they're having this whole issue with the lawsuit but um it's cool that they're actually running this show and um, hopefully it does happen and like i said this should be a a, a, fan, a fun 
a fun um a fun card um i was going to mention verano escandalo but i haven't really watched it um i think one of the next literal podcasts will do a show where i just talk about matches that are good that i've watched recently um because there this show there's there's been a lot more news and uh also i think it'd be kind of a it'd be kind of weird to be talking about matches and then not really not know be unprepared because I'm sure they're, they're, the CML stuff is barely getting back on. Um, there's a two-week delay. And honestly, I'm not going to pay five, ten bucks a week to watch CML Friday shows when it's really not that entertaining uh, for one good match every so often. And from what I've been look, reading from other people, as far as Friday shows, there's maybe been, in the last four months there's maybe been three or four good matches uh, because they've been doing a lot of tournaments and that's kind of like to me it doesn't really matter the 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 main the the final of the tournament's really what matters and so you're basically just filling everything else up with nothing um so um we'll do a we'll do a in a couple in the coming weeks we'll do a i'll do a a matches lucha matches worth watching show and of course it's probably just going to be triple a and cmll um a few independent matches that i might find on youtube i'm not going to be signing up to any other streaming services i've already got too much spending too much money and i still haven't even gotten on to the peacock ww network on peacock stuff because i'm still waiting for them to upload everything and i think i think right now they've kind of already started uploading um they've already completed mid-atlantic and uh, mid-south wrestling so that's that's the stuff i watch for the most part um, so I'm waiting for them to just complete everything else and then maybe give it a couple of weeks and decide if I do want to watch it. Because, I mean, you can pretty much find everything on uh, online for free um, that I want to watch. So, and I have also, I have a lot of stuff on DVD as well. And VH ta- VHS tapes, which I'm still trying to, I'm still, like for those of you who are familiar with me as far as my VHS tape collection, and I've actually been cutting down on it, like since I have DVDs and I was able to like get rid of the tapes. Um, but I still have about, I would say, I still have at least four hundred tapes left to get rid of. And you might say that's a lot, man. That is nothing compared to peak tape trading days. Peak tape trading days, we're talking thousands. And then the DVDs took over, and then we're talking thousands of DVDs. So, yeah, I think I. I think I can handle that being on not signing up to Peacock for a few months, probably a few years, just because of the the amount of stuff I have to watch that I haven't watched and that I do want to watch. Mostly because I review for retro wrestling, um, and also because sometimes I get asked about stuff for um, about like with lucha, and you know I have that stuff and I could watch it and it'll jog my memory. And which reminds me, um, I didn't bring it up, but um, Rob Viper brought it up on on Twitter. Um, I did contribute to the Chris, Chris Jericho's book of list. Was it book of list? I think that's what it's called. I, I, I got a, I got a free copy as, as, um, as gratitude for, um, they sent me a free copy, which I thought was really cool. Um, but I, I did do a top 10 list of, um, his best matches in, in, in Mexico. And I did rewatch a bunch of stuff that he had in, in, in Mexico. I think it ended up being, uh, as far as stuff that is on video, there's, I think maybe like. 18 matches or so that are on video 15 18 matches somewhere in the 20 less than 20 um and then there was he but they were very specific about being mexico because if you would have said lucha on all, all lucha i probably would have included some stuff he did in 
in his early in his career when he um, traveled to Los Angeles. I think I have one or two matches of his from when he wrestled in Los Angeles. I know I I, I know I have one that has no audio that Kurt ha- um, Kurt actually recorded. Um, why he didn't record it with audio, I don't know. Um, but he actually um, had that. And I know Roy Lucier. Ha- I think Roy Lucier has um, has another video that he posted on YouTube. So there were at least two more matches that I could have added, but they were very specific about it being Mexico. So I went with Mexico. Um, so I guess we could now talk about CMLL um, be- before I get tired. And I think this is going to be one of the longer podcasts I've done on my own. Um, but CMLL, um, for the most part, I'll just run down some of the, the results that have happened as far as big matches. And this is one of the things, like I said, they're, they've been very, um, they're back to running shows on in Arena Mexico on Tuesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. Arena Coliseo Guadalajara is running Tuesday shows. But um, other than that, they've that's basically it. Four shows a week right now for CMLL. I think the the the, the interesting thing for me has been Guadalajara had the, the people running that that um that building have been far more creative than than the 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 Mexico City uh, programming department. They've come up with some pretty interesting stuff. Like right now, they're doing a a Querétaro versus Guadalajara feud, which is pretty. I think it was spurred by um, Ray Comenta and Espiritu Negro working um, some shows in Guadalajara and they must have done made the suggestion about there being a talent in Querétaro and maybe then bringing in that that um that group down here and they've been running some 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 good um I don't know if they're good matches but it's a good angle to you know people love the whole territory versus territory um, your town versus my town um um, state versus state, country versus country. You know, it's 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 a very nationalistic thing, and that's something that's very big in in Mexico. And I think it's kind of cool that they're doing that. Here's some of the stuff that has been happening: um, Blue Panther Junior. and Dark Panther beat Flyer and Volador Junior. to win the Copa Dinastias final on May 28th in Arena, Mexico. That tells you how far back I haven't done a podcast, a Lucha World podcast. Um, I've also I don't think I've done a Lucha talk. I'll, I'll, either and in, in, since early May as well so I think the trouble with right now also because of the pandemic um, there was a stretch of time where you know you kind of have to there really wasn't a lot to talk about especially if you're only focusing on CMLL and AAA but um, right now the last month or so there's been a lot of talk not just with those groups but with the independent wrestling there's a lot more with the you know Rouge the, the failure of of Federacion Wrestling, this whole Patron Promotions thing. Um, so there's a lot more to talk about. But Blue Panther Jr., Dark Panther, um, winning that, Copa Dinastias. They've also kind of moved up the card. I don't know. It's really, it's not really so much that they've moved up the card. It's more that um, there's been a lot of guys who have left and some guys haven't come back. Really, it's more of a necessity than anything else, um, especially because they're really like, their, their roster has kind of been gutted over the years. And you know they they i think i think it's different but it hasn't been enough to like i i like the fact that um they did they changed dark panther i think he started as cachorro in in cmll then he went from cachorro to i think he might have been briefly blue panther jr and then he went to black panther uh, when blue panther the other his brother became blue panther jr then he became black panther then he became the panther then he i think he went back to being black panther and then now he's dark panther who knows where this is going to lead maybe he'll end up being some other type of panther um hopefully he does become the pink panther because i think that would be kind of cool um to have a pink panther back in lucha libre uh, for those not 
not familiar, that is Viano 3's nickname for all those years because of his outfit being pink. Um, he was called La Pantera Rosa. That was then followed by Templario and Volador Jr. beating Caristico and Virus to win the Torneo Increíble de Parejas final on June 25th in Arena, Mexico. Two days later, Titan beat Nero Casas to retain the CMLL World Welterweight title on Sunday, June 27th in Arena, Mexico. Heard that those two matches were really good. We'll talk about those matches when I do the matches um, Lucha World Podcast edition. Uh, but I heard those two matches were good. More so Titan versus Nero Casas. That was said to be really good. Uh, it's good to see Virus also move up the card. I think that's one thing that we've gotten from the pandemic is that um, some guys have really benefited from from the fans kind of recognizing, you know, they did the whole fan vote and the fans wanted the Cancerberos and Ray Cometa and Espiritu Negro to move up the card to actually be on, a, on an anniversary show. And it's kind of cool that they're actually being used more frequently and they're being more focused. Um, Cancerberos are the national tag um, trios champions. And now Espiritu Negro and Ray Cometa are the, you know, national tag, um, tag team champions, um, which we'll talk about in a bit. Felino beat Barbara Carvernario with help from Nero Casas to win the Mexican National Light Heavyweight title on Tuesday, June 29th in Arena, Mexico. A lot of um, big um, mat results in CMLL. Unfortunately, it doesn't really lead to much because CMLL has so many titles and they do this over a stretch of time. And when somebody drops about, you kind of know somebody else is going to um, regain, regain or, 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 or somebody else is going to... Um, if a heel wins about, you know a technical is going to win about because they're setting it up for the Universal Tournament. They have to kind of match it up a little bit where there's not this huge differential of of, um, of technicals and rudos in, the, in that tournament. That was then followed by Princessa Suhei beating Stephanie Vacker to retain the CMLL World Women's title on July 2nd in Arena, Mexico. That was said to be another good match. Um, I, that's... I was initially going to start watching matches for this show and like do the show for the for this, but um, then I realized that they were still. Ha- they, I think this weekend is when they put that up, or they just put that up, and I want to wait to see that match because I heard that was another good match. Um, Silhouetta then beat Yuvia to win the Occidente Women's Title on July sixth in Arena Coliseo Guadalajara. Um, Silhouetta is now Aruda, and she is wrestling as Dark Silhouetta, um, finally getting used not only in Guadalajara, but also in Mex- Arena, Mexico. And uh, she's very talented. I think I think this is one thing that I think CML has to start focusing. they got to start phasing out um, being the promotion that is just Amapola, Dallas, Marcella all the time. And it has to include Harochita, um, Yuvia. Yuvia's changed her outfit where she's kind of being a little bit more sexy. And and it's kind of like her and, and Harochita are even doing um, tag team moves. Um, Haro, Ultimo Girl is rubbing off on Haro, on Yuvia as far as her work in the ring, as far as um, doing um, tag team moves. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers when Euphoria and Gran Guerrero were a tag team. Um, they were talking about how they were kind of like taught tag team moves by Ultimo Guerrero. Um, he was the one that was coming up with stuff for them and, and they thought that was cool and they started using them. And I and you notice it also with Yuvia as well. Um, so, you know, Silhouette, that's somebody else that was very underutilized in the past and had a lot of talent and it's good to see that she's finally being used as well. Um, Espiritu Negro and Reiko Meta then beat Atlantis Jr. and Flyer to win the Mexican National Tag Team titles on July 9th in Arena, Mexico. That was... That was kind of a, a cool win. Um, again, 
you talk about titles not meaning meaning a lot to these guys and this being the Renacoli Seal tag team titles, which you know weren't around for like a long stretch of time. So um, but the reaction of Reiko Meta and Espiritu Negro winning those titles kind of shows you what they kind of feel about what they're getting, the opportunity they're getting. They're getting to be more fo- featured on shows in, C- on, in CMLL. Um, it's good because Reiko Meta is super talented. Um, Espiritu Negro isn't as talented. But um, if you watch him in interviews, he does have some personality. And it's kind of cool that he actually, like, they've kind of formed into a tag team. It's That's the one thing I do like about the pandemic uh, period in, in CML is that they've been focusing more on tag team wrestling and we're starting to see more tag teams. Um, I'm hoping that becomes a regular thing even after the post-pandemic because that was one of the things that people criticized about CML is that they just did so many trios matches and wouldn't focus. They never had a, a big tag match or anything like that. Um, so it's kind of cool that they're actually doing that. There were some departures from CMLL. Unfortunately, one that really doesn't get mentioned is Sestraita that I said earlier, but there were actually two others. Um, Super Astro Jr. left CMLL to become an independent. He's currently working mostly in Tijuana. Um, He talked about how he felt that CMLL didn't know how to use him properly and he didn't want to stay stuck low on cards, which was pretty much going to be his was, was going to happen to him. I think there's a big difference. I don't think it's so much being stuck low on cards for guys. I think it's that when you're stuck low on cards, you do nothing. And that's the problem. Because, I mean, you're if you're low on the card in AAA, you're actually mixing up matches and you're having these cool matches. You know, you're working with Ares, Latigo, some of the, the, the Arame, Aramis, uh, Commander coming in, uh, some of the guys who are regulars in triple A. Um, so it's kind of more of a mix of guys that it's not the same match. Whereas if you're in CML, if you're stuck in the opener or the segunda, you're working against, you know, if you're in the segunda, you're working against like Hijo del, del Espanto, Akuma, and Hijo del Signo. And that's not something you want to be stuck in. Um, if you're in the third match, then you're stuck with Vangelis, um, Dark Magic, and Mysterioso Jr. So there's that's another sp- spot you don't want to be stuck in. Although you might get to work with the Cancer Barrels at that point. Um, the Cancer Barrels are kind of being used a little bit higher. And they've kind of gone in between third and fourth match. And I think Super Astro Jr. is a guy that's way too talented to be in that in that low of a position. I think he's really good. Um, he's small um, as a lightweight, but I think he's somebody that if, you know, the fact that the lightweight division, if you look at, at CMLL right now, they have a lot of really cool, good small wrestlers. Um, there's a lot of good small wrestlers in C- in Mexico, not just in CMLL. Because if you watch AAA and IWRG, there's a lot of guys that wouldn't even make it as welterweights. They're really lightweights, and I, I think I think he's somebody. I think he was this. That's a division that CMLL should really start focusing on, especially when you have someone like Virus who could actually be a part of that and be the kind of like the the guy that carries that 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 young core group of guys because you have Panterita del Ring Jr. You had Super Astro Jr. You had so many guys there that were really good that aren't going to be the big... They're not going to be able to work high on cards right away, but if you could like start developing them as lightweights, maybe they can turn into something else. Or And they could also work trios. Halcón Suriano Jr., another one. So Super Astro Jr. also said that he had suggested um, forming a trio in in um, CML Cal called Cadetes del Espacio, which was the namesake of his of his dad's previous trio with um Ultraman and um and Solar. 
And he even suggested that it includes Sonic and Halcón Suriano Jr. And I thought, man, that would have been a freaking awesome trio. Um, I can't believe CML passed on that. Imagine that trio going up against Cancer Barrows being Virus. Because you notice Razian Cancerbero, when they were away from Virus and not getting pushed, they kind of were manhandling guys when they were low on cards. But ever since they've kind of come back with Virus, they, I'm pretty sure they, they'd be up for that. Something a little different. I think they, they would that would have been something, a fun rivalry right there. And CML passed on that, which is stupid. Um, and Super Astro Jr., to me, he's somebody that has to be in that. I think he has the potential of being in that group with Ares. Um, Aramis, a guy who's really talented, maybe not at their level of work, but in that group of guys that you're going to want to have him on a card because he's really good. One thing I will say is I don't know. I wrote about it on on Lucha uh, on Lucha World on one of the Lucha reports uh, when I recapped one of the informas, and Super Astro Junior was talking about how um, he was out with an injury. And he was watching, I guess he was watching one of his old matches in CML and he was not really pleased with what he was doing in the ring. So when he was able to recover and come back and start training again, he um, he wanted to train and improve. And he actually showed it. It actually showed a lot of improvement when he came back um, because he felt he wasn't doing enough to really um, carry on the name of Super Astro. And when he said that, I heard that he was trying to improve I knew right away he was not long <laughs> for CMLL at that point in time because the last three or four years, you notice CMLL has a lot of guys who have really been mailing in the majority of their um, their matches. And, you know, when somebody says that they kind of care about what they're doing, they're not going to be long for CMLL unless they can understand that it's part of the politics and stuff like that. Someone like Echiseto can survive there because he sees the, he also has been doing a lot of announcing and stuff. So I think he kind of realizes that, you know, it's not just about being in wrestling, but you kind of want to get another skill to, um, and if you've heard Echiseto's story, you know, he has had numerous jobs throughout his life. So I think he just collects a lot of skills. Should his career as a wrestler come to an end, he has a, a, something to fall back on. Um, so, Super Astro Jr. left. The other news, Mystique left. That is huge news. I cannot believe it. Very disappointing. Women's division pretty much coming to an end with Mystique leaving. Very disappointed to see her leave. Uh, honestly, that doesn't surprise me. I don't know. She mentioned she was a. She's pretty much. She she's she said she had she asked for permission from the CM from CMLL to take two years off. Um, to focus on her career, she's a dental surgeon, and she was um, she needs to she wants to get um, a, another degree in that to advance her career. Um, she wants to open an office at some point. Honestly, she also said that you know during the pandemic she kind of like it opened her eyes about the fact that um, lucha libre is not something that you're going to be able to make a living f- for throughout your career your life. Um, there's only a certain period of time where you can actually do well as a luchador or are going to get, um, especially for a female. So she kind of looked at it and kind of felt that she had to like do something to become, to, to, to complete her, to advance her, um, her other career of, of being a dental surgeon. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I think a week prior to that, her announcement, she really had a horrible performance, um, and during a match, um, I don't think she really ever developed, um, she was somebody that was popular. Um, I actually thought she was more likely to become 
I thought she was she was quitting uh, Lucha to be um, to open up an OnlyFans account uh, because you know a lot of these um, female wrestlers get asked that. Um, Estrellita brought this up on Cybernetico's podcast that she always, she gets asked about when it, when she's going to open an OnlyFans. She even asked fans if she, she even did. I think she did a poll asking fans if she should do it. She hasn't. I don't think she's done it yet. Um, but considering, I mean, it's weird that Estrellita for somebody who's trying to be a doctor. Um, still contemplating an OnlyFans kind of tells you the the state of um, finance, their financial situation in Mexico right now. But that's kind of what I expected. I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't expecting her to say that she was going to um, continue her studies. And you know, honestly, I don't think she ever really did anything in CMLL, which is unfortunate because I thought um, she has a cool look. I mean, her gear and everything, very cosplay um, type of thing. Um, I thought it was something that was going to be a, a interest fans, but she ended up not being a very good wrestler. She has look, the look and everything. If you're going to put, that's one thing. Like if you're going to push a, a women's division, you it can't just be all great workers. There has to be some good looking um, women to draw in the fans. And um, she kind of fell into that category, even if though she was wearing a mask, but she still had you know certain assets that were going to attract um, an audience. Um, and unfortunately, unfortunately, she was really bad in the ring. That was the one thing. And not only was she bad in the ring, but she also got a lot of tours of Japan. So she really never got um, to get any big run in CMLL um, full time. So she kind of never. It was kind of like a a start and stop type of thing for her in in CMLL. Um, so honestly, I also don't think she was ever going to be that reach that high level in the promotion. Um, she said she might come back at some point. Um, I don't really see her being a, a big difference maker. I think the one thing, if Estrellita has gone, um, there is that one spot for the hot hot luchadora um, or the sexy luchadora to be um, part of their promotion. Obviously, I thought maybe Mystique would take that spot, but I think Yuvia is probably going to end up getting that role because she's been doing a little bit more, um, dressing a little bit more. It's been a little bit, she's been showing a little bit more skin. So, But I think the only difference is Yuvia can actually... Um, She's not really, really bad. I would say she's an average wrestler, which in amongst women's standards in Mexico, that puts you ahead of a lot of women, um, especially if you've watched some of the IWRG or indie women. Um, they've been horrible. Diosa Quetzal and, and, and anybody below Diosa Quetzal uh, have been horrible in the ring. Um, so um, if you're average, you're already doing far ahead of the game in mexico but really i think right now if you look at the women's division it's it's the the the, the main the bet the better workers in there are really um harochita and um silhouetta i'm trying to think who else um i think it's really them right now uh, stephanie vacker princesa suhey la magnifica when she's around um those are really the the good workers in in the women's division um I was going to say somebody else and Amapola still Amapola and Marcella are still able to do stuff but they've really slowed down with age so they're not able to do a lot of stuff that they used to do I mean they really needed to change the group and I think I think Haruchita Stephanie Vecker um, those have been really the big differences the big additions in that group you have a lot of women in that division that are just not never going to amount to anything because them you know like Sanelli that um, um, Scotty La Comandante um, so many of the women that aren't really gonna be able to like, they're not gonna change the, they're not gonna really make a big difference in that in that division. So, um, and I think Mystique kind of fell into that category. Um, good looking to look at, but not very interesting 
of a luchadora. Um, I think it's better for her to like focus on that other career. And then who knows, you know, she's young enough where she can come back and, you know, CML, I mean, they brought back Line Fernal for God's sake. So it's not like they're not going to bring back Mystique, even if she's 40 or 50 years old. So, you know, that's it for the, as far as um, Lucha Libre news, um, I should mention, um, I also have a patron, uh, patron.com slash Lucha World, uh, where you get every month I put up, um, if you're at the $5 reward tier, you get, um, some videos dvds on there that i i put up into a google drive and you're able to download them um that's something that comes from the slambamjam.com era of stuff um a lot of stuff there's there's a handful of people that actually are part of that and they 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 it, it seems to be very popular because they haven't they haven't left um they've been very consistent as far as i'm um, sticking around and getting it um i for whatever reason i tell them pick out stuff you guys want I'm more than happy to put it up. They haven't, so I pick whatever I kind of find and put it up. Um, I try to mix it up. It's not just Lucha, it's Japanese wrestling and a, a couple of other stuff that I have in my collection. I put that up and, and, and make it available to um, patrons. Also, at the $3 and up reward tier, I do the Lucha Classica podcast and I do Lucha Magazine write-ups. I haven't done a Lucha Classica podcast in a while. And then I do the Lucha Magazine write-ups. Um, there should be one upcoming up in the next couple of days uh, from 1960 that's another thing i've been trying to figure out if i should just do like go in order like from the earliest magazine that i have and then just go forward or just go all over the place um the old the newer magazines that i have are from like the early 2000s from the late 90s early 2000s and those are really long so um especially the, the super luchas magazines so i'm trying to think if i should just go with the older stuff and then like just go go on a roll and do those because those are um maybe if if you've seen boxy lucha or rena box the boxy lucha or any magazine from that time period they would split it up between box and lucha and so um they're not as um there there's there's not as much stuff to write about but i'm able to like you know i could probably churn those out a lot quicker so i think i might end up start doing that where I, it might be easier for me just to go like that and then um go forward go along forward so i probably just go with i think the earliest magazine um kurt had was from like 196 might have been 1960 or 1950s late 1950s so i might start doing that because i think it might make more sense for me to do that um and then have like maybe like a couple like because i wanted to do like one or two magazines a month um i there's been periods where i've done two a month um but I kind of want to get back to doing two a month. It's harder to do when you're doing Lucha Libre magazine, which has a lot more stuff on it. And then like the 90s stuff is a lot more like even Boxy Lucha has way more Lucha in it than they did in the, you know, during the the past period of time. Um, So I think I'm going to start doing that. And then as I go along, I'll be able to like speed it up as I, and you know, who knows? I say that all the time, then it it, it becomes this big thing because one of the problems I have is I have a lot of ideas, a lot of projects to do. So those are the things you get on Patreon. I also have the YouTube channel, Retro Wrestling YouTube channel. Um, check that out. Um, that's another thing where I'm trying to come up with stuff to do for that. And there's one thing, one project I have in mind that um, is going to be crazy to do, but it sound, it, in my head it sounds like a fun thing to do. Um, I'm hoping to have that ready by, the, by next year, either 
later this year or next year. Um, it's going to be something that's going to be really cool. I think a lot of you that are Lucha fans are going to enjoy it. Um, and those of you who are not familiar with Lucha or are trying to learn more about Lucha are going to enjoy that stuff as well. Um, or just if you're a wrestling fan in general, you're going to really enjoy it. I'm hoping um, I'm hoping to get started on that later this year. Um, but I kind of want to have... That's one of the things that's the problem is that not only do you have to do editing for audio, but also video. So it kind of becomes... Or, you know, you have to make the the little graphic design um i don't do anything um too fancy it's more of a static um image i don't like to like i don't want to do like all these you know different p- magazine you know photos and all this stuff you know some of these guys really are good at that stuff i just don't have the time for that um and uh, because i'm also writing for luchaworld.com and retrowrestling.com um you could check us out on there as well luchaworld.com get all the latest lucha libre news and retrowrestling.com some reviews and they're on both of those, I have two more projects that I have pending um, that are going to be fun to um, post and to um, for fans to look at. And I think that's another thing that I'm really excited about as well. Um, so keep up to date with everything I do online. Sometimes you might not see me online because I might be busy doing other things. But for the most part, I'm usually on Twitter being a, a smartass on there about Lucha Libre or pro wrestling in general. Um, So that's it for this week. Thanks everyone for listening and we will be back again soon with a show covering some of my favorite matches during this time period because I promised that and we will do that. I won't be able to do it in a couple, probably be a couple weeks because I'll be away for a few um, days in August. But thanks everyone for listening and take care. Stay safe out there because of um, we're still we're still in the middle of a pandemic guys. So take care.